Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how some people want to invest in real estate, but they don't know how? Oh, yeah. And you know how some people want to invest in real estate, but they don't have the time? Oh, yeah. And you know how some people want to invest in real estate, and they simply don't want to do all that work? Oh, yeah. Do you know someone like this? Mm-hmm. Perhaps that someone is you? Uh, yeah. If so, subscribe to the Turnkey Real Estate Investing Podcast, the show for busy people who want to invest in real estate but don't have the time or the desire to take on the heavy lifting. Turnkey Real Estate Investing. Subscribe today. It's free. Yeah. Turnkey Real Estate Investing. This is Terrio Media. Broadcasting from Terrio Studios in Glendale, California, it's time for Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. Hello, and welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing, the place where I show people how to escape the rat race using real estate. You just got to shift your focus from making piles of money to making streams of money, change that one thing just one time, and you are on your way to financial freedom. It's not the most exciting path. It's rather dull and boring, but it is the fastest. And once you get there, life then becomes exciting. And speaking of exciting, if if you didn't know, we, we'd been off the air a little bit with our turnkey real estate investing podcast for those busy professionals that want to get in on that action, but just don't have the time or the desire to do all that heavy lifting. It is back in regular uh, release schedule, regular rotation on Tuesday. So if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and go to Turnkey Real Estate Investing. Search right here where you found this podcast. You'll find that one as well. So that's released every Tuesday. All righty. So from last week, uh, we had a, um, uh, our uh, subject was options. Uh, We were continuing our creative real estate investing um, series. And got a great question came in from Dan, Dan Callis. He had a question uh, about options. And he's really kind of inquiring about the rights with, with when you have a property under contract via an option agreement. So, you know, how much can you do with regard to your rights? Um, can you still market the property? Is there a difference in your rights between, you know, when you're under contract with the seller on the purchase agreement and when you're under contract with the seller on an option agreement? So a really good question, and the nature of this conversation is actually becoming more and more of a hot topic due to all of the wholesalers, God bless y'all, bragging and boasting and posting their big checks on social media, 
you're, you're catching people's attention. You know, as with, as with any business, anytime there's there's good money being made somewhere, you're going to get the attention of others. They're going to get the attention of others that want a piece of what you got. And that could be, it could be uh, competitors who feel that they can do it what you do and they want to go get a piece of that money. Or it could be some that are kind of maybe jealous or envious or, you know, feel like whatever you're doing is unfair. And, and that comes in the form of regulators. And uh, so the question here, it's really about your rights as the buyer or your potential or, or potential buyer of real estate. Because as when you enter a purchase agreement, you are the buyer. You have come to a meeting of the minds with the seller that you're going to purchase their property under the terms of that agreement. Now, with the option contract, you are coming to the, uh, an agreement with a meeting of the minds that you might purchase that property within a given period of time at those uh, at, per the terms that are in the option agreement. So one is, yes, I'm going to buy. That is my intent. The other one is my intent is to uh, tell you within six months whether I'm going to buy or not. So one, you're obligated to purchase. The other, you are not obligated. So with those contracts comes a certain level of rights. And you've heard this probably tossed around called equitable rights. And so there's legal rights and there's equitable rights. And the legal rights are belong to the person that owns the property. And they really have the right essentially to do whatever they want with the property. Equitable rights, they have, they per the contract, they get the right to do certain things as well. And typically those rights are outlined and detailed inside of the agreement, the agreements themselves. Okay. So, um, the, uh, you know, the, the question here, it's, I guess it's most commonly accepted that equitable rights translates to the right to sell a property. That's one of your rights or, or your interest in, you get to sell your interest in a property. Even if you're not on legal title, technically that is true. Uh, it's, it's really difficult to get a solid answer on the subject though, as the, the more, I guess the more conservative legal voice sounds off as absolutely not. And the more liberal legal voice sounds off as, yeah, sure. Go ahead. It's not technically a law that you can or can't, but if you should find yourself in court, th there's certainly a solid argument for both sides yet the you, you don't want to find yourself in, in, in court to have this argument because typically the prevailing party it's going to be the go to the, the person that's on title, who is on legal title. You can certainly argue it. Um, it's really kind of, it's not clearly written. It's going to go state by state. It's going to vary state by state on what the actual laws are. And there are definitely some states that are more tough on the issue than others. For example, Ohio is one of the front runners in discouraging the practice of wholesaling as a business. Um, however, even in Ohio, Assigning a contract or performing a double escrow or a concurrent close is not illegal. It's not illegal. And a real estate license is not required to perform any of those actions. You do not need a real estate license to, to assign a contract, to perform a double escrow, or perform a concurrent close in the practice of wholesaling a property. Now, here's where uh, the deeper argument is coming into play when whether the practice is illegal or not. And, and this is all subject to change because it, it, this is, this is like I said, it's a growing hot topic and the, the powers that be and the points of view are, are bouncing back and forth and this lawyer saying this and this lawyer saying this and both sound kind of valid. So, but this is where it stands at the moment. A binding contract must represent, as I mentioned earlier, a meeting of the minds. 
That's what, and that's, that's outs, you know, that's whether it's real estate or any other type of contract. It must represent a meeting of the minds. And so in the context of real estate, you have a seller willing to sell the property per the terms of the agreement. And you have a buyer willing to buy the property per the terms of the agreement. Now, if both parties are clear on that, then you have a legal binding contract. You have a meeting of the minds. But if the buyer enters the agreement with the intent to not buy and has the intent to sell to someone else instead, then you technically no longer have a binding contract. And additionally, the, the argument for practicing real estate and facilitating real estate transactions on the behalf of others without a license, now that issue is raised. And, and technically, it's appropriate. So, you know, whether you are in contract with a seller via a purchase agreement or an option agreement, you do have the equitable interest required, the equitable rights required to assign or double escrow the property to another. So you can, you have enough rights to assign that property or that contract, whether it's option or purchase agreement. And you also have the rights to perform a double escrow to find the buyer and go ahead and enter an A to B contract with the, maintain that A to B contract with the seller and enter a B to C contract with the buyer. Now, as long as the, the terms within the agreement don't forbid it. That's why we always put, uh, the buyer and or assignee. So it kind of intimates that uh, you might or may not assign the property, okay? So you absolutely can do that. It's when you make a business model out of it. That's where it gets sticky. You know, essentially, it's not the practice of wholesaling that's illegal. It's your initial intent that can make it illegal. Got it? So it's not wholesaling properties. That's not illegal. Not in any of the states. Not even Ohio. It's, it's your initial intent, though, when you enter the contract with the seller that can make that practice illegal. So, you know, ha having said that, though, arguing and proving intent in the court of law is a very difficult thing to do, whether that's real estate related or not. I mean, it comes up in, in burglary and robbery and any other misdemeanor or felony. Like a lot of times, one of the sides are going to argue the intent of the person in exchange sometimes for leniency or in exchange for being totally absolved of, of the crime. Very difficult to do. So, you know, using options on the surface seems like a little safer way to perform real estate or wholesale real estate as you have no real obligation to purchase. But when you use options over and over as your business model, well, you're kind of back to facilitating transactions and likely needing a license. So I'm going to talk a lot more about this on a coming episode because it's brought up some other issues and, and, and it's going to be coming up more and more and more, the more and more money that wholesalers make. And we've touched on this a little bit in the past where, you know, um, it's it's not illegal for the double escrow. It's not illegal for the current close. It's not illegal to, to assign contracts, but fewer and fewer companies, it, it's against their policy to do these double escrows. It's against their policy to do concurrent closings. And although most places still uh, allow you to sign contracts with no real problem, um, getting a little bit more pushback. Okay, so it is I, I just see that going forward being coming more and more difficult the more money that wholesalers make and the more that they brag and boast and post about it. So next week or, or maybe the week after, I'm trying to do it next week, but the week after, I'm going to have some legal solutions for you in case you're kind of you know sweating a little bit and you're concerned about your future as a fire-breathing wholesaler and wholesaling as a business. Well, I'll have some remedies for that for you, okay? So for now, though, just make sure everybody in your transactions 
get what they were promised. Just make sure that they get what they were promised and, and you should have nothing to worry about. And that goes for wholesaling as much as it does for, for lease options and fixing, and flipping and buying and holding and, or any contract or any transaction. Just make sure both people get what they, they were promised and you're gonna be just fine, all right? Also, uh, also, here's another tip. Let's resist rubbing the amount of money that you're making in realtors' faces, okay? <laughs> let, let's, let's kind of, um, let's take the high ground on that and just kind of keep what we're making. Just keep that to yourself. No reason to, to ruffle the feathers of those that can make it difficult for you if they want to. Even if you're right, even if you're right, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can be right or you can be rich. I think that's how it goes. Or it's, it's you can be right or you can be happy. Something like that. So, so keep that in mind. Oops, there goes my phone. She works hard for the money. That's Mercedes ringtone. And uh, so now for today's episode on the on the phone, I have on, on the other line, not my cell phone, I have an Epic Pro Academy member who is absolutely crushing it right now. But, but it didn't start out that way. And today he's going to share with you his story and his challenges and struggles and how he persevered through those tough times to rise to a place where he's comfortably and happily flipping houses full time, how he plans on uh, quadrupling his results from last year. And we're gonna hear from him right after this. There are two steps to wealth. First, stop doing what poor people do. Second, start doing what wealthy people do. The wealthiest people do what they do best and delegate the rest. If only you had the time and resources to do it, now you do. We're VAsforrealestate.com and we have some free information for you. Get the five-step shortcut to hiring a rock star virtual assistant that will make you millions. Go to VAsforrealestate.com. Stop doing what poor people do and do what wealthy people do. VAsforrealestate.com. VAsforrealestate.com. Hey, I read a recent comment over at iTunes. It's a very complimentary comment. Uh, five-star review. A great comment. I loved it. Thank you for that. But uh, they had mentioned it right at the end of their compliments. If they were if they were to change one thing about this show, it would be the they'd want to get rid of the overproduced commercials here. And they had said they they didn't mind me promoting stuff. That wasn't the issue, as they understand that you know I've got to make a living in the podcast. It doesn't produce itself. We need electricity and hosting from somewhere, right? But I could ditch the hypey commercials. And I understood. I understand that, and I totally get where that's coming from. And I just wanted to address that real quickly. I don't do that very often, addressing the um, comments and, and reviews on the show. But I want to talk about this as, you know, you're probably not the only one that's thinking that. So the commercials, this is why the commercials. See, it actually feeds my creative side to produce those. Y'all know my background as a music producer, as in the music industry. It's been, I don't know, 15, 16 years now. Well, let's see. Yeah. Over 10, over a decade since I've been in the music business. And that part of me still needs to be fed. I mean, I just don't get inside the studio too much or at all anymore to produce audio and, and you know, just like I used to when I was in the music business. So my commercials, they're kind of my outlet for that creative gene. And so I try to make them entertaining. I try to make them sound really good. I try to make them even educational. And for your sake, I try to make them really short. So there you go. That's why they're there. They're a little bit for me, a little bit for you, but maybe even more for me just because that's a part of my internal passions, my internal workings, just my wiring that I need an outlet for that. So that's how it's coming out. But I'll keep that in mind in the future. So thanks for the feedback. All right. So on the phone, I'm joined by Epic Pro Academy member, Mr. Parker Stiles. Parker, welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing. What's going on, Matt? Thanks for having me. You bet. It's it's long overdue and I don't know how it's taken so long to get you on the show. You've been a 
a client of mine for quite a while, and I know you're doing some, some real estate before we met. So let's just go ahead and, and start at the beginning and, you know, how you got interested in the real estate and bring me up to the current speed to where you are today. Sure. So you're right. I was in real estate for a little bit before uh, when we met. Um, I was doing industrial real estate as a agent. Uh, so right out of college, I took a job as an industrial real estate agent selling warehouses. So a little bit different than your traditional real estate job, but um, <clears throat> that was not really something I was going for. I kind of liked the, uh, the difference about that, selling you know, 100, 200,000 square foot warehouses uh, kind of appealed to me a little bit more than standard house. So I started doing that, and um, you know, I'd say two, three months into it, somehow I stumbled across your podcast. I really wish I could remember how, uh, but that was around, I don't know, August or so of 2014. And just started listening to, I think it was around the 40, 40th podcast, something like that. Listened to a couple, really liked what I was hearing. Um, I'm sure you know in real estate with podcasts and, um, you know, all kind of tutorials and things like that. It's so easy just to get fluff and, or they'll tell you something and they'll, they'll give you just enough information and then they'll say, oh, well, here's my, you know, $10,000 course or mm -hmm. uh, give you another step to go, another hoop to jump through. And, you know, I understand people have to make money, but it was just kind of frustrating to me. And when I heard your podcast, it was kind of, it blew me away on how much legitimate content you were giving away um, for free on on every show. And so I said, you know what, this is something that, um, that I'd like to get into. Um, I knew that with uh, any kind of commission business, it was going to take me at least two and a half, three years to build a steady six-figure income off of my agent job. Um, and I was, I guess I'm just a little impatient, but I didn't want to wait on that. So I wanted to come up with something to bring me some short-term income uh, until I could get to that long-term income mm -hmm. for, from all those referrals. And when I stumbled across your podcast, I was like, this is the perfect thing. This is right up my alley. I'd love to do this. You know, I can be my own boss and make my own hours. And that always appealed to me. Um, so I, I went back to podcast number one and uh, just listened to every podcast. I think over the next I think it took me about five and a half months, five, six months or so. Um, and uh, I listened to all, I think at the time it was like 175 podcasts or something like that. I just listened to it religiously <laughs> um, and, and learned so, so, so much. Um, but, you know, around December of 2014, uh, I actually ended up getting let go from my uh, job as an industrial real estate agent. I, I don't know if it was, you know, my passion for this was trying, was maybe bleeding through as much as I was trying to hold it back. Mm -hmm. Um, but I ended up getting let go. Uh, and you know, I told myself if I ever got fired or maybe if I ever quit, um, I was going to take this full time and I was going to buy your course on, uh, the Epic Pro Academy at the time I just done the free course, which was still awesome. And, um, you know, it definitely get, gave me a great head start. Mm -hmm. but I said I was going to buy that course. So the day I got fired, I drove home and I got on the phone or got on the computer and bought the Epic Pro Academy started watching videos. Um, and I think right after I got that, made that purchase, there was another option to get one-on-one -on -one coaching. And so I just said, you know what, why not? Um, let's just do that too. I, I felt, I, I know a lot of people feel like they need a little bit of backup. They need kind of a kick in the butt, um, every now and then, or, or when they have questions, if they don't know who to come to, that can be kind of frightening. Um, maybe if they have a deal, they just got under contract and they don't know what to do next and don't have a bunch of contacts built up yet to ask people, um, that can kind of keep people from even making the first step. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did the one-on-one -on -one coaching and 
you know, really never looked back. Started full-time uh, January 2015. Had a very interesting conversation with my parents telling them that I wasn't going to go get another job. Um, that, was a, that was a good time. And, uh, yeah, just haven't looked back, and it's been, it's been awesome ever since. I think it was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. Awesome, awesome. So how old are you right now, Parker? I just turned 25. Well, about five months ago, I turned 25 in December. Right. Got it, got it. Okay, cool. So uh, back in January 2015, you made this, uh, this commitment. You're going to do this full time. You had that interesting conversation with your parents, which uh, a lot of people have to, yep. when they decide to, to do make a move like that, there's somebody in their life they have to have that conversation with. Um, Definitely. Based on, on that conversation, I mean, you said it's an interesting conversation, so I imagine there was some static or some tension involved. Uh, but, you know, what was the benefit of doing that, and, and how did that play out? Well, <laughs> we were on vacation on a snow skiing trip, and uh, I remember everything about it. We were just sitting at dinner, and I was waiting for the right time, and kind of like with getting started in real estate, there really isn't a right time. You just got to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, ordered another drink and just let it roll. And, um, you know, my, I think my mom was the most concerned. My dad, he's been an entrepreneur most of his life, so uh, he could see it. Um, but, you know, as parents, they're going to be concerned for you regardless um, when you're taking that step and, and not going out to get another job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they just don't, they don't know what's going to happen as much as you do. And in my head, I had it all figured out. I was laying out the details and, you know, I could have had a spreadsheet written out for him right there, but, um, you know, they, they took it. Okay. Um, my sister was definitely cracking some jokes. So that lightened the mood a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was beneficial because I, I just had to tell him how I felt. And I, you know, having that job as a commercial real estate agent was, uh, it was okay. And I enjoyed it, but shoot, looking back, I mean, as much as I love what I do now, I mean, in comparison, I hated that job. Right. I mean, being able to be at the, being able to be at the beach right now, just working from my computer. And I mean, I, I always thought that was some, some sort of dream, some sort of Instagram dream that, you know, people made up. that wasn't right. true. Um, but no, it is, you just got to put in the grind and, and make it happen and stay consistent long enough for, uh, for it to take effect. Right. Right. So, Looking back, well, let me ask you now, how do your uh, year, year and a half or so later, how do your parents feel about, about what you're doing now? They're ecstatic. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they're just super happy that I'm doing what I love to do. And um, I think they know how rare it is for somebody to be um, as happy as I am doing what they're doing for a living. It's, it's just mm-hmm. super rare to find that. And, you know, I knew that that was a must. Because if I don't really like what I'm doing, I'm never going to be able to put enough emotion and effort into it to really become successful at it. Right. Um, so the fact that they see that, um, you know, after I, you know, the first the first couple deals were definitely uh, kind of sketchy with them, and they were really unsure, um, especially when I was coming to them asking for you know some private money loans for for this that and the other, but. Um, you know, after you, after you get a couple deals done and you show them that you mean business and you're not playing around, um, you know, heads turn quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're happy with what you're doing because, you know, you produced a, a, a decent amount of success to this point and, and your, your momentum is only gaining, is only improving. 
So let's talk about those those first couple deals because that's kind of what everyone's always looking about looking at. And the reason I had that you you share that conversation about your parents because someone might have that have that same situation where they have to have that conversation with their parents or their spouse or their their family in a certain respect because they want to make a big change in their life and and you know when you have that conversation when people ask me about that it's always you know be straight be straight with the people that are are depending on you and you know tell them how important it is to you but the key thing after that conversation happens it's up to you now. You have to follow through. You have to back up that conversation with real action. And that's what I really, um, I'm proud of you for, or I respect about you is that, you know, you've been at it and those first couple deals weren't the greatest experiences and, but you kept stuck with it (laughs) and and now you're crushing it. So let's talk about those first deals. How long did it take to get that first deal from the time that you had that conversation, made that commitment to get started doing this full time? Sure. Uh, let's see. We started marketing. Um, I say we went when me and you were doing our coaching. Uh, probably January of 2015 is when I really started being serious about it, um, the full time aspect. And it took me until April. Uh, Mid April is when I found my first rehab. And the, the wholesaling thing really, uh, you, you know, it, it appetized me, but I was more focused on fix and flipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that was kind of my cup of tea. What I was looking for is to do rehabs, and then essentially wholesale wholesale out the ones that I came across that I didn't want to rehab. Um, I think wholesaling is a great strategy, but whole, uh, it, it has its role in every deal. Uh, it's not it's not cookie cutter like you say. Mm-hmm. But it took me until April to find that first deal, and it actually wasn't even from my mailings. Um, so people out there that are struggling with not seeing results from their mailings. I mean, this stuff takes time, especially right now in, in this market. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit harder to find a deal through direct mail, and people are getting creative with other strategies. But it took me four months to find that first one, and I found it through a wholesaler. Um, and I ended up talking that wholesaler down $36,000 to make the deal work for me. Uh, there were a lot of deals before that that I thought were deals that were not deals. And that's where a lot of people go wrong on is they uh, – they get emotional over that first deal and, and they, you know, I, I totally feel for that. And I really wanted to make something happen. I just wanted to prove that I could do it. And so I was tweaking my minimum deal standards a little bit more, a little bit more until, you know, I, I was putting myself in a dangerous position financially uh, to do that. And you, you just can't get emotional over a deal. Um, so I talked them down. I said, listen, I can't make this work. These comps that you're sending me, they're not comparable. Check out these. These are actually comparable to what you're talking about. And as long as I backed up why I was talking him down as much as I was, uh, he was okay to do that. And luckily, he had enough spread on the deal to make it happen. So I bought that in April, and that was my first renovation that was started. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, so you found that first deal through a wholesaler. How did you find that wholesaler? How did you meet them? Uh, really just networking, real mm-hmm. estate uh, investor meetings. Everything that you say, honestly, just get out there, show your face, tell people what you do, and um, you're gonna have people come to you. Mm-hmm. Um, now, every every sign, every bandit sign that I see, every everything, every ad on Facebook, every person that I come across that wholesale deals, especially now that there's so many wholesalers out there, um, I try and be on every person's list that I can. And yeah, you got a whole, you got a um, 
sift through a lot of deals before you find one. At least in my market, I've got to maybe look at 30 wholesale deals uh, before I find one that fits my criteria. Um, but, hey, it's a numbers game. That's mm-hmm. what this business is all about. Indeed. Couldn't have said that any better myself. Um, so when you find that found that first deal is a fix and flip deal, you, you were able to negotiate significantly a lower price than what that was initially offered to you at. So how did that deal play out? What was the end result? <laughs> so I actually found a Facebook post. I'm sure everybody knows on Facebook if you've had an account for a while. You see, uh, you know, look back a year from today, and it goes back to like five years on this day. And uh, the other last, or this past April, I came across the day that I bought that property, and I was reading the post, and it said something like, "So excited for buying my first rehab property. I've been waiting for this day for so long now. I've got eight weeks to get this property renovated and back on the market to find a new a new end buyer." And I just could not stop laughing after I read that, knowing it took me eight months to get that property mm-hmm. sold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. just, just so true. I mean, you, there, there's so many mistakes that you'll run into on your own. I'm not saying everyone will, but um, it, there's a good chance that you're going to run into a lot of mistakes on your first deal. And that's okay. What, what I was saying earlier, though, is you just want to make sure that you're not, you're not sacrificing your minimum deal standards. Like for me, uh, to throw numbers out there, I don't start a rehab where I'm going to make less than 25K because I know how quickly 25K can disappear just like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, eight weeks turned into eight months. Um, luckily for me, the holding cost wasn't a huge deal. I had a low interest um, private loan on that. And uh, with appreciation in the area that we were in, the market was so hot that it actually helped our price uh, taking so long. Um, but, you know, really, really, really learned a lot of crucial lessons on that deal as far as, you know, how it is working on a project in a big city with inspections and uh, all that comes with that compared to maybe in a more rural area where everything's a lot more uh, relaxed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so yeah, that was definitely a learning experience. But came out on top still, and, uh, you know, if you can – if you can come out with an education and, and make money after you get that education in this business, that's pretty hard to find. <laughs> right? Cool. So how much did you make on that first deal? I came out on that deal at about, uh, what was that? I think it was about 30K. Was it? Fantastic. Cool. So, But that's a long time, so it's not actually that lot, a lot of money if it took you four months to find the deal, eight months to get it sold. Uh, so looking back, right. you, you say it was a big learning experience for you. Uh, what, is, what are one, two, maybe three things that you know you learned out of that that you'll never do again or you make sure that you will do again in your, in your upcoming deals? It showed me how important finding a good contractor is. Mm. And I knew that that was important from the get-go. What I didn't know was what was a good contractor. Mm. I thought I knew what a good contractor was, but you just don't know what a good contractor consists of until you've had a couple bad ones. Um, and I, I say that as I put as much emphasis on that as I can. I mean, I really, really thought I knew and mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, it's just as clear as that, but you have to do a couple bad projects before you find a good one. Maybe you get lucky on the first one, but I, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the first rehab that I did, I had a, you know, a contractor that the work was, I, I was more attracted to the lower price, mm-hmm. um, 
I made the mistake of not getting multiple bids because this person was a referral. I always say go on referrals. Uh, always, always get a referral for a contractor from a trusted source. And this even was that, you know, just sometimes still uh, things slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. So the work was, was subpar on it. Um, he had a uh, very small crew, so it took a long time. Um, there were some sketchy things with money that happened along the way. Uh, let's see what else. The... I don't know. There, there was just a lot with that first contractor. The, the main thing was his, his work ethic. Um, and then the second, the second deal or the second uh, rehab that I found about a month and a half after I bought that first rehab, mm-hmm. I, I used a different contractor. Uh, even though I'd only been with them for a month and a half, I said, there's no way I'm putting this contractor on a second deal. Mm-hmm. So I met the second contractor at a real estate investors association meeting. And he was actually an investor himself. So I said, perfect. This will be great. He'll add some skin in the game. Um, it'll be in his best interest to have the property come out, uh, come out well and, and come out quickly. And even though that was the case, he still was just way too slow. And I think the main thing I've learned is in this business, you can't have a slow contract. You really got to pump these things out. It's the only way to have a successful um house flipping business. I won't say real estate investing. I think investing is more so holding properties. But if you're going to have a house flipping business, you really have to have a crew that can take on an entire project and pump them out quickly so you can move on to the next deal and, and most importantly, have, have more than one project running at the same time. Mm-hmm. Unless you're doing this as a hobby, which is completely fine. A lot of people do that. Um, but if you're going for the full-time gig, you know you got to do more than two to three flips a year to, to, to really make this thing happen. Right. Right. Cool. So a um, bunch of stuff there that you just said. Uh, as far as finding a good contractor, um, referrals first, but it's not a surefire strategy, but it's probably the best place to start. Uh, I would say if you're going to go for a referral, find that person and then go visit personally their past projects. Ask mm-hmm. for a list of the, of the last few deals that they've done. Um, and then make sure that they had worked with investors in the past. Uh, working with an owner-occupant and working with an investor is, is a completely different mindset for the contractor. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would pick one that has worked with investors. I would go visit their last at least two projects that they've done uh, recently in the last six months mm-hmm. and put your own eyes on it. I, pictures and editing is too good today to, to go off that, and that was one of my main mistakes. So right. the pictures look great. Uh, but you know, you, you miss a lot of little stuff. Right. Um, and another thing would be talk to the investor that that contractor worked with, mm-hmm. um, you know, ask what their time, uh, what the ratio for, you know, when you, when you call that contractor, how long is it until you get a call back? Or when you email them, how long do you wait to get an email back? You want something, somebody that's really attentive, um, and is going to give you details and, and keep you up to date with what's going on. Super. Okay, so check past work, check references. Um, the other one thing you said is get multiple bids, and that the cheapest one doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the best one. Exactly, and, and usually I wouldn't go with the most expensive one either. I mean, I think a lot of people have said this. Just go go somewhere in the middle um, unless you really get a strong vibe from someone um, that puts them in a higher 
uh, a higher ranking regardless of what their rate is. But I usually go with the guy that's somewhere in the middle, not the cheapest, not the most expensive. Right. Super. And another thing you mentioned, um, which we just, I used to mention this a lot. I haven't talked about it a lot um, recently, but is the, the speed of money. I mean, wholesaling, that's a fast game. It's a volume game. And fixing and flipping isn't too much different in regards to, to the speed of the money. I mean, the, the, the fast nickel over the slow dime, you want to take that fast nickel every single time. And, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, the longer it took you to get out of that deal, the, the market was working in your favor. Properties were appreciating. You probably might have made a little bit more money because of that than you would have otherwise. But that's not always the case. You definitely got got lucky there. And so the speed of money, I think, I think in the speed of that you can get those deals done and then having multiple deals working at the same time, all very much key to a successful fix and flip business. Right. And you never want to count on appreciation. That's a that's not a smart thing to do. Right. Um, but as far as um, lost my train of thought. Okay, the, the slow nickel, yes. The slow nickel a lot of times the fast nickel. Um, fast nickel slow dime. Fast nickel slow you take you want to take the fast nickel over the slow dime. Sometimes the uh, the slow dime turns into the slide the, the slow nickel. Right. Also. Right. Right. So right. with with the rehab. So it's uh, with rehabs. You, I mean, most people just underestimate their rehab costs. I think that's the biggest thing. They under uh, they underestimate their rehab costs mm-hmm. um, because they want to see that profit number be as big as it can. Um, and I've I've got this little calculator that I made on Excel that has all of my business expenses on it, and all I have to do is plug in the after repair value, uh, the repairs for the property, and the purchase price, and it literally just spits out a uh, after expense take home. Uh, value for me, mm-hmm. so that's a it's a really valuable thing that I created. But e- even me, I love to play with that rehab number, and it tends to go lower sometimes when I'm just kind of messing around because you like to see that profit number be as high as it can. Um, but you just have to be realistic. You know, your your rehab is is going to be more than what you think it's going to be most of the time. And uh, for a lot of people that are starting, um, the ARV can be a big thing where you lose money. You'll think your ARV will be around 250 and uh, you know it doesn't it doesn't take but one mistake for that 250 number to actually be 225 and there goes $25,000 in profit. And what happens if your profit that you were calcul- that you were counting on was $25,000? You just work for free for 8 months. Right. Right, exactly. Definitely a man that's that's gotten an education out in the real world as well. So um, so th- you've had those two deals. You had the one deal, the long run. You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. There's a plane going by, so I muted it. <laughs> okay, cool. No, thanks. Um, okay, so you had the you had those two deals going. So what else were you doing in the background while you were working those two deals? Were you kind of waiting for those deals, or were you continuing to generate other leads? How, how well was going on in, in your world in that, that first year? No, I mean, I, like I said before, I wanted to have as much going on as possible, um, just so to really prove to my family and my friends and all the people that knew that I kind of dropped everything to do this, that I knew what I was doing um, and could actually make it happen. So I was still marketing and this goes back to the, the, the first direct mail marketing that I was doing. Um, all Even back in 2014, when I still had my job, I was writing my own yellow letters, handwriting them, uh, you know, tri-folding them, took everything from the Epic Pro Academy, you know, word for word, 
and uh, you know, stamped it myself. I was doing this at my mm-hmm. job, probably not the smartest thing to do, but on breaks and, and sometimes even while I was working, just trying to send out as much marketing as I could. Didn't know anything about companies that would do it themselves or um, you know, any of those other alternatives. But I found a deal eight months later. So I dropped a uh, letter in this guy's mailbox and that was before I even knew that was illegal to drop mail in people's mailbox. I, I went on Zillow and I would just look on Zillow for distressed looking houses. Um, this is before I bought the first list even and found some distressed looking houses. And after work, I would just drive uh, on a little route that I had made on, on my sheet of paper to visit this house, this house and this house. And I hand wrote those yellow letters and dropped them in the mailbox. And eight months later, happened to fall around July of 2015. So right after I had bought my second rehab, so I had two going, and I came across this one. And it was an older man, probably in his 80s, and he said, you know, I found your, uh, I found your letter in my mailbox. Um, I haven't been there for eight months. And did you hear me okay? It's kind of loud out here. Yeah, no, I got you. You're okay. Okay. And he said, I saw the letter in the mailbox, and um, I haven't been there in eight months. It's been vacant, and I'm in a bad situation. I said, okay, well, you know, what can I help you with? And he said, the city has put a teardown lien on my property. And I grew up here. My parents raised me here. I've got a lot of memories here. So immediately I knew he, you know, had a lot of emotional ties to the property. And he said, if you can help me keep this building and whatever you need to do to it to keep it from getting torn down, he said, I'll practically give it to you. And I thought I heard those words, and I about dropped the phone. Huh. I had been waiting for for you know all, all your pod, not all your podcasts, but a lot of the podcasts I was listening to, and a lot of the videos, and you know all the gurus out there. They were you know telling me what these motivated sellers were going to sound like, and they were you know giving me the wording that they were using. And I never heard that. All I heard was from the the angry grumpy sellers cussing me out telling me that they don't want to sell their pro- their uh, property for 50 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I finally heard those words, I was like, wow, it really is true. <laughs> those people are out there. Um, so I said, sir, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to figure it out. Uh, let me get on some stuff. Let me make some phone calls, and I'll get back with you. And I don't want to drag that out all day, but I, I talked to the city, and, you know, it took me – I talked to one person at the city, and they said, we don't know what you're talking about. Try this person. So, okay, I called this person, and I called that person. You, you, it, it goes exactly back to what you say all the time. Do the first step, and then you'll see the next step. Go as far as you can go, and then you'll see further. And however you want to say it, it all means the same thing. Just start. Um, so I made the call, and I finally found who I needed to talk to. And once I talked to that person, they told me what I needed to do. They said I needed to close in uh, 48 hours. I'm sorry, not 48, 72 hours. And <laughs> I'd only closed on two properties, and I didn't even have my own closing attorney. I had used the, the uh, wholesaler's closing attorney, so didn't even know who to call. But started calling some closing attorneys and finally found one that would do a cash deal that would close that quickly. We rushed title, um, and we got the thing closed in, in less than 72 hours. And I sent the copy of the HUD to the city, and so we put a, a hold on the teardown, and I ended up buying that property. It was a two-bedroom, one-bath, about 900 square feet in uh, downtown Kennesaw, Georgia. I bought that property for 5600 bucks, mm. and I didn't even think you could buy That's less than the majority of cars right. out there, and I just bought a house for that much. It just blew my mind. 
Um, so the intent was to renovate it. And the ARV was around uh, 85000 Needed a good bit of work. Um, you know, it's been vacant for eight months. And I asked the guy why he had his house. Uh, there wasn't even a back door on it. The front door was unlocked. There was no back door. I asked him why he left it open. He said so his cats could go in and out. <laughs> that was kind of, kind of funny to me. Um, but, you know, mold from the floor to the ceiling, all that good stuff. So that was right about the time that you had your um, Epic Mastermind meeting uh, for the Epic Pro Academy members in, was it L.A.? Yep, in July. Yeah. Okay. So that would be right, the, yeah, just the exact same, same time. Yeah, yeah. So I I got that property, um, and then I flew out to L.A. and, and met just an insane amount of knowledgeable people out there that were making me feel like, you know, a tiny fish in the ocean, which exactly, which is exactly where you need to be. Um, you know, I'm kind of in a position now where I feel like I'm giving a lot of advice instead of taking, um, advice. And I'm trying to find some people to surround myself with that make me feel like that small fish again. Uh, cause that's, that's really where you're going to grow. Um, but I went to that meeting and, and came back. I got some advice from uh, Corey Kendig, who I know got coaching from you. Uh, he's, he's killing it out there as well. I think he's my age. Um, and then some other guys. And they told me to wholesale it. And, and I just really wasn't thinking that was going to work. Um, I thought that I had it for as low as it was going to go, given the amount of rehab that it needed. But they kept driving into my head, don't negotiate for, for, your, for a buyer that you don't know. You don't know what somebody's going to pay for that property. You don't know what their exit strategy is for that property. Just put it out there, market it, see what happens, see what kind of attraction you get on it. And so I did. I got home, and uh, actually, I don't even think I waited until I got home. I was uh, on the last day of your thing when we were all out there by the pool. I was on my laptop making Craigslist ads for that property, <laughs> mm -hmm. marketing it. And uh, by the time I got home, it took me about seven days, and I had it sold. Um, made about thirteen thousand dollars on that one, just as is. And that was uh, and that was the first paycheck as well that I got. And I had two deals going, but I hadn't seen a paycheck yet in real estate. So when I got that first check, I mean, it, it was game time. Uh, there was there was no turning back, and uh, that was the first real assurance to myself as as well as the uh, close family that was kind of watching what I was doing. Uh, so that was really exciting. Fantastic, dude. Fantastic. So I say by, by the end of the year, that first twelve months, how many deals did you think you closed? We did four. Four deals. I think it was four deals. So it, it, it winded up to be about fifty thousand dollars okay. in profit. So not not great, uh, but you know, fifty thousand dollars for the fir first full time uh, year, getting it going, and, and really making a lot of mistakes and, and learning a lot. Um, I was I was happy with it. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, just decided to move forward from there, from there and uh, make two thousand sixteen as good as I can. Cool. So bring us up to speed. What does 2016 look like for you right now? Looking like for you right now? All right. Really excited. Um, just, just, just super excited about everything. Um, the wholesaling business, I decided to move from Atlanta to Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, that's kind of the newest thing that I have going right now. Um, we act today, actually, I, it's probably about five, four or five months in the making, hiring people out there, getting my entire uh, virtual team put into place and trained so everyone knows their roles. And uh, this afternoon, 
Um, we had 13,000 13, postcards go out in, uh, in uh, the Tri-County area in the Charleston, South Carolina market. So kind of a little nervous, but, but mainly excited for that. And we'll have a bunch of calls coming in right after the holiday weekend. Um, and we're going to you know, keep that steady stream of, of uh, 13,000 postcards a month over there. So hopefully that'll bring us around two deals a month. And by the one-year mark, uh, which will be um, June of, of next year, I'd like to be doing at least four deals a month over there uh, for my wholesaling business. And I've structured that to where it's completely virtual. Um, you know, from there's a person that takes the calls, there's a person that calls back and builds rapport and gets under contract. There's a contractor that goes out to throw a lockbox on there and estimates repairs. And then that person passes it off to the uh, dispositions manager that will be in charge of marketing the property and, and coordinating the buyers uh, and the sellers and with the closing attorney uh, to get all the documents signed. So really, really pumped about getting that going. Super. So that's the wholesaling side. And I really did that because I was struggling to get deals in Atlanta and I wanted to focus um, on solely rehabbing and holding rental property in Atlanta where I am locally. Mm -hmm. So we've got the wholesaling over there, the rehabbing and the holding in Atlanta. Uh, and hey, know, that's, hey, uh, that's Parker, really what I'm going to be. Something's going on where you keep on pushing the, the, the touch tones on your phone. I don't know if it's your, your cheek or, or what kind of phone you're on. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you, but just it was like every few seconds. No big deal. Um, okay, let me know again. Okay. So, so that's uh, that's what I have going on right now. Um, and then the end goal for Charleston is to start holding those properties out there and then also rehabbing. So I wanted to break into that market by wholesaling with a little bit less risk, um, and I can do that easier virtually. And then once I start to know the market, I build my contact list up up there. Um, we're going to start cherry picking those best wholesales and rehabbing them and then also holding rental property out there. Sweet. That sounds like a whole other episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll be sure to. We'll do hopefully that. you can have it back on and, and we'll do that. Perfect. So as, as of 2016, what have your results been as 2016? I know you've bought and hold a few. I know you flipped a few. What is what is uh, yeah, what have you done this year? So on my third rehab, I finally found a great contractor that can you know run the run the full deal and, and really do it quickly and effectively so we started one in january and got that one sold by the end of april so we hit that uh that key four month mark for rehab and and including the sales time that i was looking for uh -huh. uh, so that was exciting so we got that one done that was about uh about forty five thousand in profit um and then i've got a wholesale that we pushed through that was about fifteen thousand. I've got another wholesale that should be closed in the next four weeks after we work on some probate stuff. Uh, that'll be about twelve thousand. Um, and then we just started a Marietta rehab, which put a video up on uh, your page actually. I think so. Um, if you anybody wants to check that out, we're really excited about that. That's going to be probably the biggest renovation that I've done to date. Um, about about a ninety-one thousand dollar reno. Um, replacing everything top to bottom. And uh, that should be about a $65,000 uh, profit. So that'll mm -hmm. be a good one. And, you know, long story short, I'm looking to, at the minimum, quadruple my business in 2016. Sweet. Well, you're basically there. I mean, you, you did it just with one deal. You almost matched it. So awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, let's see. So looking back, you know, what would you, if that first year, or even up to this point, this first year and a half, you know, what, what, what is the one thing that you would have done 
differently if you had to start all over again? Hmm. I really, I really don't have a good answer for that one. Um, I feel like I've, I'm still so new to it. I haven't had enough to look back on to see if mm-hmm. I would change. I mean, maybe probably just push harder. I mean, you're always going to look, you're always going to look back, even if you work as hard as you could and did and produced as much as you thought you possibly could, you're still going to be able to look back five years down the road and wish, man, I wish I, I wish I did a few more deals a year. I'd be in a, a much better spot right now. Um, even if you are in a great spot, you, you always think that you could have done more. Um, so if I had to say anything, I mean, just push harder. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that would lead me to maybe a, a different question, maybe a better question being, you know, that there's a lot of people that set out with, with the type of uh, aspirations that you did. Like they're not liking so much what they're doing during their day job. They want, they, they listen to a podcast, they see posts on Facebook, they, they hear about all these great stories at their RIA meetings, and they want to go and take this on full time because they want something better and different for themselves. And for one reason or another, it just doesn't pan out the way they thought it would. Why do you think it panned out for you when uh, many people it doesn't? I didn't. I, I didn't give myself another option. It, it wasn't this was plan A, and then over here was plan B. People <laughs> can't tell you how many people ask me. So what are you going to do if it doesn't work out? Mm-hmm. I said I don't know. That's that's not what's going to happen. It's going to work out. You know, just don't give yourself a plan B because a plan B only leads to excuses. Plan B is usually the easier option. And if you have a plan B, then and you run into to hard times, um, you know, it's going to be harder to push through them. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, <laughs> there, there just wasn't a doubt in my mind. Like I was, I was going to make it happen regardless. Right. And I, I truly believe that if you don't know that in your head, um, it's going to be way easier for you to um, not make it happen. Right, right. No, I could, I could say that's the exact reason why I am where I am today. Because I was working. Yeah, my your, plan. your story was exactly like that. Yeah, I, I knew what my plan B was. It was bagging groceries, and that was absolutely unacceptable. So, yep. Um, that's definitely why I said it has to work. And so, fantastic, birds of a feather, bud. Well, congratulations on your success. <laughs> yeah. We'll definitely have you back on. Let's get some more uh, mileage under your belt with the virtual wholesaling that you've decided to take on in um, in South Carolina. But uh, if someone wanted to, you know, get in touch with you now and reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah, sure. Um, my phone number will be fine. Just my cell phone is 706-255-4883. And um, my email address, they can reach me at Parker, P-A-R-K-E-R, mm-hmm. at BarringtonAcquisitions.com. Parker at BarringtonAcquisitions.com. Super. Be prepared because they're coming. you got a great story, dude. Oh, yeah. You're a great inspiration. I'm happy to answer any questions. And if anybody is out this area or investing in this area, I'd love to meet up and um, see if we can do some deals together. But other than that, Matt, I, I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, you know, what you're doing for everybody is, is awesome. And um, I can't say that I would have gotten where I am now as quickly as I've gotten there, um, you know, without mainly your podcast and, and the Epic Pro Academy videos and 
and all that stuff. It's, it's just been a huge, huge help and a, a backbone for the uh, success that the success I've had in, in this short amount of time. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. And you're 100% welcome. And as you know, the door's always open. You, um, we're on Voxer at least two or three times a week. So uh, you've taken full uh, yep. advantage and, and it's fun to talk to you. It's always fun to talk to people that are actually doing it. I can, it's just, it's, that's what, that's uh, why I do it. So, dude, stay in touch. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend and uh, we will uh, do this again. All right. Thanks, Matt. Same cool. to you. Bye. Take, take care, bud. Bye. Very inspirational story by Parker. He's one of my 41 one-on-one coaching clients that I had last year, and we're still in communication a couple times a week. That's just kind of how my coaching relationships, they turn out. They, they all essentially become friends, and they become family, and like in Parker's case, business associates as well. So if you'd like to hear the remarkable stories of a few more of these 41 rock stars that I recently worked with, you can go to epicwebclass.com, epicwebclass.com, and, and you can hear and see how I helped one quit their day job, another who I helped do more business in less time, and another build a virtual business working just one day per week. Go to epicwebclass.com and you can register for an upcoming class. They're, they're totally free. There are a few scheduled for this week and, and they just listen in. Steal the tips and tricks and just kind of take what you can get and go back and use it in your market. And at the end of the class, I'll go ahead and I'll share with you where you can go to get some extra help for yourself if you need it. All righty, so epicwebclass.com, epicwebclass.com. All righty, so uh, to your success, I'm Matt Terrio. I'll see you next week or, or catch me tomorrow on another episode of Turnkey Real Estate Investing. That's tomorrow. And uh, that's it for today. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. You've been listening to Epic Real Estate Investing, the world's foremost authority on separating the facts from the BS in real estate investing education. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to visit iTunes and share your thoughts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here at Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.